Hello and welcome to the VJ Hemark podcast. In today's podcast, we'll be hearing about some of the latest real-world data presented at the EHAR 2021 meeting and what this data means regarding the advancement of treatment for lymphoma, myeloma and chronic lymphocytic leukemia. First up is David Miklos of Stanford University in California, giving us an update on the use of CAR T therapy AxiCell for the treatment of large B cell lymphoma. October 2017, the dramatic results, 58% complete response rates observed in the Zuma-1 study supported the FDA indication of approval of relapse refractory large cell lymphoma patients to be treated with the AxiCell therapy. This um, really became a therapy available to patients across the nation in January of 2018. We worked uh, as a collaborative group with uh, 17 centers. Uh, my colleagues, Safa Nilapu and uh, Fred Locke from the Moffitt Cancer Center uh, and myself uh, organized this uh, real world consortium and the results of the first 275 patients treated at these 17 centers were tabulated and followed for a year's worth of time. This um, has been published um, Loretta Nostopil is the first author JCO article and uh, colleagues of ours from some of the other cancer centers have a smaller but equally interesting uh, real world experience. So these real world experiences were critical in the early stages and the treatments of uh, large cell lymphoma because they validated the observations that were seen in the clinical trials. And remember that um, the clinical trials look for the perfect patient, the patient that has wonderful kidney function, uh, has no uh, complications from their years of therapies and um, have none of the uh, real world problems. But uh, our studies had 42% of the patients that would not have been eligible for uh, participation in the Zuma-1 study due to most frequently low platelets, blood clots, uh, renal insufficiency. And so what did we see? We saw the same uh, successful uh, complete response and durability response. The complete response rate was uh, 60% in that patient population. And we showed two stratifications because we had 275 patients that were able to predict the patients that would do better. That was low LDH or less than, um, so a normal LDH going into lymphodepletion chemo and a performance status uh, of uh, ECOG one or zero. That is uh, a pretty well-functioned functioning individual going into the therapy. Those two factors alone predicted for marked improvements in, uh, again, response rates and durability response. Uh, our program, our group, our team is putting together the three-year follow-up for this study, and we'll be uh, submitting this as an ASH abstract uh, for presentation December 2021, which will give us the durability in the real world, which is another real question. We expect that the CIBMTR, for which all of our programs participate, will continue to hold the mantle for long-term follow-up of the patients going forward. But these uh, short-term real-world experiences over the last three years were really able to give those uh, rapid uh, turnaround and uh, I would say uh, confidence-building uh, opportunities to um, see that patients really um, had the same benefits in the commercial therapy as we saw in the clinical trials. Next, we are going to hear from Elena Zamagni of the University of Bologna in Italy. Dr. Zamagni discusses the analysis of real-world treatment patterns and clinical outcomes of patients with newly diagnosed myeloma. 
And so this year at IHA, we presented this uh, real-world uh, data analysis uh, on upfront therapies in newly diagnosed uh, multiple myeloma patients and non-eligible for autologous cell transplantation. So in the lack of prospective randomized clinical trials, that will never happen because, of course, uh, uh, things are going on very fast in this uh, context, uh, we performed this retrospective analysis in real life in several European countries uh, of the outcomes of patients treated up front either with uh, LEN-based therapies or mainly LEN-DEX or bortezomib-based combination, mainly bortezomib, methyl, and prednisone. Uh, just to look out uh, what was the outcome of the patients and also the utili utilization of resources. And what it came out from this analysis uh, could be somehow expected because uh, the difference in the two treatments, of course, is that Landex is a continuous treatment, while uh, bortezomib-based treatment uh, until a few years ago was a fixed-duration treatment coming from an old concept, of course, of treatment of multiple myeloma, not as a continuous treatment. So in the end, it turned out that um, land-based treatment is associated to a better outcome in terms of duration of control of the disease. And this is mainly due to the continuity of the treatment, so to the fact that it is a continuous treatment, uh, but also a better utilization of resources. We all, always have to keep in mind that first-line therapy for patients, in particular for elderly patients, non-eligible for transplant, can be uh, the unique line of therapy that they receive because uh, sometimes at the relapse they are not able to be effectively treated because of the age, because of the side effects accumulated, because of the comorbidity. So, of course, we have to implement and take the best from the first line. And in this way, to keep under control the disease, of course, uh, patients are less exposed to uh, complications or to uh, all the uh, let's say, effects that may come from a relapsed disease. Uh, also, the quality of life seems better when a patient is in remission. His or her quality of life uh, is uh, perceived uh, as a better one. So all these uh, results are, uh, to my opinion, a good platform to the transition that happened in the last years. In fact, we know that uh, two very important prospective randomized clinical trials were published that uh, uh, inquired the addition of the anti-CD38 monoclonal antibody daratumumab to the backbone. Uh, the results were, of course, uh, positive for both the trials. So Dara plus bortezomib or Dara plus LEN improved significantly the death of the response and the outcome of patient. So, but to up today, the combination of uh, uh, Landex plus Daratumumab is the best one in terms of death of response, but in particular duration of response and progression of survival. So for sure, we can say that Dara Landex is currently one of the standard of care. And uh, so for sure, the platform, the backbone of Landex, it's a very good platform to add a third agent, probably in the future, why not a fourth agent, um, to uh, ensure for patients that are not eligible for autologous stem cell transplantation, uh, uh, prolonged uh, control of the disease. 
Following that, Heinz Ludwig of the Wilhelminen Cancer Research Institute in Austria is going to speak on the final analysis of the UVX study, which investigated ixazomib therapy in patients with relapsed or refractory myeloma. The UVX uh, study uh, is a study which has been uh, conducted in uh, several countries. It's a prospective and retrospective study. Uh, patients uh, were on an early access program uh, using Ixaxomib in combination with Reftex. Uh, the uh, inclusion criteria were one to three uh, prior lines of therapy. And the median age of the patients was uh, 64 years. Uh, actually, 309 patients have been entered into this study. And uh, the main primary objective was, first of all, to look at uh, response rates and uh, to look at progression-free and to evaluate progression-free survival, also in relation to prior lines of therapy. And uh, uh, the uh, comparator to this uh, uh, study in uh, real-world clinical praxis was, of course, the tourmaline, uh, one study which compared Ixaxamib Reftex uh, with uh, Reftex uh, in a prospective randomized uh, um, trial. So this is um, uh, a trial which a study which reflects a real-world clinical practice. And uh, of the um, 309 patients who have been enrolled, 22.2% uh, achieved complete response. 24.6% uh, uh, very good partial response and 33.9% uh, 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 partial response. So actually there was a relatively a higher response rate uh, in this patient cohort. And when you look at progression-free survival uh, in, in all available patients, including those with one uh, or two or more prior lines of therapy, uh, median progression-free survival was uh, 15.6 months. And when you then ask the question about the difference between those with only one prior line of therapy compared to those with two or three prior lines of therapy, yes, there was a marginal difference. So, of course, as expected, if you have uh, uh, only uh, uh, one prior line of therapy, um, you are in, um, um, obviously, uh, early uh, lines of therapy, and when you are then entered on the protocol, on the ixa Reftex protocol, uh, those patients, you do better, of course, and the median progression-free survival, and those patients was 19.6 months, and those with two or three prior lines of therapy had a median progression-free survival of, uh, uh, 13.9 months. So these data um, are quite, uh, I think, uh, uh, impressive. Uh, the treatment, as you uh, all uh, are aware of, is relatively well tolerated. Exaxomib uh, sometimes causes gastrointestinal uh, adverse events, but these can be handled easily by those adaptations. And uh, the trial, the outcome of this trial compares uh, relatively well uh, with uh, the uh, results of the tumor in uh, one trial where patients were 
studied in a randomized uh, fashion under um, clinical study conditions. And of course, those patients did slightly better both in terms of um, uh, response rate and uh, in terms of overall uh, of progression for survival. But actually, there was no big difference. So in other words, what has been observed in the clinical trial can be reproduced in the real-world clinical practice. And lastly, we are going to hear from Andrea Vizentin of the University of Padel in Italy. Dr. Vizentin talks on the findings of a study of TP53 disrupted chronic lymphocytic leukemia patients that were treated with ibrutinib. We know that the P53 disruption, including 70p dilation and uh, TP53 gene mutation, is a negative prognostic biomarker in chronic lymphocytic leukemia associated with genome complexity, early relapse, and shorter survival after chemoimmunotherapy. Ibrutinib is the first in class uh, BTK inhibitor and has proven uh, to be highly active in CLL patients with unfavorable uh, clinical features. However, data from the real-life setting in treatment of patients with TP53 disruption uh, derived from almost 90 patients included in five clinical trials. So uh, data from the real-life setting are uh, quite scanty. We performed a retrospective uh, study uh, recruiting 14 centers belonging to Italian CLL campus network. We enrolled 100 patients with uh, CLL treated frontline uh, with ibrutinib. All of them have uh, TP53 disruption. And after medium follow-up, of 24 months, uh, the overall response rate was 80%, including 9% in patients with complete remission of the disease as confirmed by bone marrow biopsies. And uh, the 24 months median PFS, time to next treatment, and overall survival were not uh, reached. In particular, the 24 month PFS, time to next treatment, and overall survival were 82%, 89%, and 92%, uh, respectively. We uh, observed that the PFS uh, was shorter in a patient with at least 75 years old and in patient with both deletion and mutation, uh, rather than patient with only 70P or only TP53 mutation. And of course, uh, patients who responded to treatment, reaching at least a partial remission, had a longer uh, progression-free survival. Uh, while CHIRS stage and IGVH mutational status did not impact in uh, PFS. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Want to hear more? You can follow us on Twitter at VJHemonk and visit VJHemonk.com for more exclusive updates in the field. Finally, be sure to subscribe to VJHemonk Podcasts available on Spotify, Apple and Podbean to never miss out. See you next time.